It's good to be here this morning. It's good to see you guys made it. Um, I thought at one stage that uh, a few of you might have got blown away and not actually made it to church. I think it was 25 past, and I think there's about half a dozen people here. Um, I thought, oh, okay. Um, That would have been easier for me. Uh, But it's good to see you all here. Um, We've just come off a, a fantastic weekend where we've spent some good time with some of the guys from the church, really had a, a time of bonding, and, um, and it, was quite, it was quite interesting because um, Mark's really good at, at, at trying to encourage me to, to pick uh, a topic that we're going to go through and to speak on. So he often gives me uh, an early choice of stuff, and, and I often pick things I thought, oh, that's interesting. I think I'll, I'll, I'll look into that. Um, and so I thought I'd... So we're, we're going through a new series called um, The Forgotten Arts. I was going to say the hidden, the hidden Arts, but Forgotten Arts, yeah. The Hidden Arts. And the one I'm doing on today is Rest. And, um, and as I was preparing for this, I'm like, how do you prepare to speak on Rest? Um, you can't just go straight into it and start getting really busy and start doing stuff and start <laughs> digging into it because that seems like counterintuitive. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll start off by trying to get to a place of rest. Uh, and then what happens is we had this weekend come up. Uh, and so all of a sudden, we've, I've got an unusual weekend. Normally I'm thinking, I've got a couple of days. I can rest. I can ease into it. I even start. You know, this is the amazing thing: is I started a week earlier on preparing for it. And this was like I'm thinking, like, oh God, you're so good. I've got this now. And so this week turns up, and um, totally threw me this weekend because I'm not ready for this because I thought I had more time, and it comes up and it comes quickly. And as I was going through the weekend, I was able to, you know, there's different people sharing and just sharing hard a bit on it. And all the time I've got in the back of my head, you know, you've still got that sermon you haven't prepared for properly yet. Um, and so I had a choice to make in that, in that weekend. I could choose to be distracted for the whole weekend thinking I've got something that I need to be doing in the back of my mind. I could be kind of present but not present at all. Or I could choose to actually be where I was. I could choose to be where I am. And um, I made that choice, rightly or wrongly, we'll see in a moment. Um, and, and so then it allows God to do things in us that perhaps we would not see if we were just trying to push through in stuff. And, and I kind of, uh, I, I kind of uh, get it as it's, it's, it's almost like you're working in the marinade of God into your life. And it's not you having to try and strive to get it done or, or, or think really well or, or hear very good sermons or um, read really well-written books to try and get this in. You can actually be with God and with His people, and He can massage that into you. So I've been experiencing that a little bit over the weekend, which has been great. It means I've come out, and although the sleep pattern perhaps wasn't as it was normally because of... Uh, a strange bed and, um, and all that, there is a refreshing that comes from it. Um, and so I've, I do feel refreshed, um, but also underprepared. So, and, I, and on a side note, I feel like I'm becoming more, more English because 
I'm starting off by apologizing to you before I've even <laughs> done something wrong. Um, and, and after I've apologized, I'm even thinking now I should apologize for apologizing. <laughs> so I think, I think I'm becoming more English. Um, so, <laughs> um, so today we're going to look in, I'm going to look through some of the, the kings of Judah um, today. Um, uh, on on uh, Saturday morning, I was sharing a little bit about some of the kings of, of Israel, and, um, and, and we're moving on from the time of King David, and we're, we're into the divided kingdom now when, when we're talking about these kings. And if any of you have read through the kings of Israel and Judah, you know that these guys were a varied lot of fellas. Um, in fact, it's rare that you find the gems among all of these, these guys. They're, they're quite, most of them are quite depressing to read about them. Um, so we're not going to focus on those ones. We're going to go straight to the good guys, the ones that actually God saw some substance in. And we're going to start off with, um, we've, we've come out of this time of, of, of Judah being, uh, Israel and Judah being divided. We had the first king of Judah, um, Rehoboam. Uh, he, was, he was a very unwise man. Um, he didn't follow after God, um, and so his kingdom was, was torn apart, um, and from that, he, he had a lot of troubles and unrest. After him, he, he had his son, um, and his son actually only ruled for three years, only ruled for three years, but in this, the, the guy's called Abijah, King Abijah had this amazing confrontation with Israel, where he says, he stands on this hill and there's, there's 800,000 Israelites coming against, he's 300,000 um, men of Judah. And he stands on the mountain facing the Israelites and he says, you have gone away from God. You have forsaken God and therefore this day God is going to judge you. And as this, this king Abijah's given this speech out to the Israeli army. They, they come around. Jeroboam, the king of Israel, comes around behind him to ambush him from behind. And it says that, I'm, I'm reading this story, and you're reading the story, okay, here's this king telling these other people you're doing wrong, and when you're reading the kings, you're like, is he saying that because he's right to say, or is he saying that because he's arrogant and he's actually in the wrong, and he's about to get done in? And so here's this ambush set up, and I'm reading, and I'm thinking, he's going to go. He's not going to get... But all of a sudden, the men of uh, Judah see the ambush, and it says that God came in in that moment, and God won a great battle for him. And in that moment, this, this Abijah, King Abijah, spoke out that when you forsake God, you actually forsake his power. You forsake the sovereign hand of God. Abijah only lived, or only ruled for three years, and after him... There comes a king I want to look at a little bit more, Asa. King Asa reigned in Judah, um, and it says that he was a man who did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. And he started off a religious reform. Um, it didn't take very long from King David to King Asa for the Israelites to set up their old uh, temples, the old worship, the high places, the Asherah poles, and, and to start going after other gods. But King Asa came on, um, became 
the king of Judah, and he starts this religious reform very early on in his, in his reign. And he, he sends out and um, he follows after God. And actually, before the reform comes, this is, this is the, the part he does. He says, uh, he went out into the high places, broke down the pillars and cut down the ashram and commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to keep the law and the commandment. He also took out of Judah all the high places and all the, the incense altars. And he started to move in to try and bring back in the law of God into the land. And as he's doing this, as he's starting to strengthen the people into, uh, into following God and commanding them, this is what we must do, an Ethiopian army rises up against him. Now, it says that King Asa came against this this uh, Ethiopian army. He had 300,000 men of Judah and 280,000 men of Benjamin. But the Ethiopians had one million men come against him. One million. So in this place where he, uh, with Asa is trying to reform the way that they're living, he's trying to say, come on people, we need to get back to the law. Coming against him is a formidable army. And King Asa cries out to God. He seeks God, and there's a great victory he's won. The whole army, the whole Ethiopia, it says that, the, that not one of the Ethiopian army remained. It was wiped out completely. And after coming back from this, this great battle, a prophet comes to King Asa, and he says this. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time Israel was without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when in their distress they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, he was found by them. In those times there was no peace to him who went out or to him who came in, for great disturbances afflicted all inhabitants of land. Um, but take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. So here's this, this prophet comes out and says, when you seek God, when you pursue God, when you are after God, he will be found. He will be found. And King Asa took this to heart. He didn't just go, oh, that's really, that's really nice and encouraging. I don't know about you, but sometimes people give you a word from God and you can say, that was encouraging. I like that. Thank you. It made me feel okay. King Asa didn't just do that. King Asa decided to act upon that. And he set in motion um, a massive big festival. After this victory, they came and they, they sacrificed, it says, uh, 7,000 sheep, 700 oxen. And they entered into a new covenant before the Lord. And you're probably thinking, where's the rest coming? I'm, I'm going to get to what rest is in this. So I'm just building. We, we, we need to understand that actually in the context of anything of these, we, to, to, to get to a place of rest, we need to understand that there's a journey that we need to, get, to take to get there. People just don't happen upon it. 
You don't fall into rest. So I want to build a picture here so we can get to it. I, I, I feel like God wants to say to us that often we feel that we're only battling. Often we feel like we're only trying to implement stuff. But I want to show you here that, it's not that that's not the heart of God at all. Sorry, I'm reading from 2 Chronicles 15. 2 Chronicles 15. And so here they are, they have this great victory. They've given a massive big prophecy that, saying that you're going to find God if you seek him. And so the very first thing they do is they seek God. And this is what came out of it. So King Asa said, I know, this is what the people said. They, they swore an oath to the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with horns. And all Judea rejoiced over the oath, for they had sworn with their whole heart and had sought him with their whole desire, and he was found by them. And the Lord gave them rest all around. All around. Rest, when rest, true rest comes, rest comes from seeking God. Rest comes from being with God. Rest comes from narrowing the gap that life sometimes puts between us and our God. As I was preparing for... Well, I say preparing for this. I was trying to prepare for this on Friday, and, um, and my wife had um, a day off, which I wasn't aware of, um, which meant that she was, uh, we were at home together. But over the last couple of weeks, there had been a distance that had come between us. Just because life gets in the way, and you get busy, and you do stuff, and you get complacent on the very relationships you need to keep an eye on, and, and a, a bit of a distance had come between us, and, um, and Hannah asked if, she, if we could pray about a certain thing, and, and I just felt I, I couldn't pray with her. I just I couldn't pray with her. And the reason was because I felt like, like physically, Hannah was on the other side of the couch, and I was on this, and there was a gap between us. No one else is in the house, but yet there was a gap between us. And I felt that in that moment, the right thing to do was to bridge that gap and to come closer together. And it wasn't a physical thing. We just started talking about, you know, how are you going, Hannah? What's, what's life like for you? How are you coping physically? Are you, are you okay in your health? You know, how are you going emotionally? What's, what's the things that are, are, are troubling, are weighing on you at the moment? How's your walk with God? How do you feel financially? Do you feel that we're okay or do you feel pressure from that? And in those moments, just chatting through this, there's a bringing together. And as you come together, you can actually then be at peace with one another. And this is the thing, there's a little bit of turmoil, not much, but there's just an uncertainty, an uncomfortableness that actually disappears when there's a coming together, a closeness, a seeking after, a coming together. And our relationship could come back onto a a resting place. And then we, from there, we can then pray. 
And so here we have King Asa, and there's a similar thing. He sees that actually, unless we've been given a word, seek after the Lord, and you'll find him. And the very thing he does is he goes, we will seek after the Lord. And not only will we, we desire to seek after the Lord. And it says, and they found him, and there was rest all around him. You see, I was talking, talking to a few, I was talking to Chris a little bit um, during the week, and I, and I had my brother-in-law call up, and we're just talking, Chris, Chris made a, a comment about something he'd heard, saying that when we look at the creation story, a lot of the creation story hangs around this concept of rest. And, it, and, it, and when you look at it, in the Jewish mindset, the day started in the evening, the day started in the evening, you, you started your evening, and you see that in the creation story it says evening and morning, first day, evening, morning, second day. So they start off in a place of eating a meal together, settling down, going to sleep, coming out of that to actually go and start living. They actually, the whole story of creation is one of coming from rest into living, and if you even go back a little bit further, you see before even creation came into existence, for all eternity, there is a Godhead in rest. Before there was, the Godhead is there in perfect harmony, resting at total peace with one another. And out of this place of eternal rest comes creation. And out of that, we have the story of creation coming along. And when it comes to the Sabbath day, we think the Sabbath day was because he rested from all this stuff he'd been doing. He'd been resting eternity. And then he started off by resting, and then the day started, as we would describe it. And then at the end, it says he rested. Now, why did he rest on the Sabbath? Because man was made on the sixth day. And man was made to be with God. And so the very fact that God rested was not for God to rest. It was so that man can enter into that very thing that God had created from. We are created to enter into rest. We are created to be with God. And we start off, the whole of humanity starts off with us in rest with God. Humanity starts off in rest with God. We start off on that Sabbath day. The very first Sabbath day is not God having done too much. It's because God's saying this is where you start. When you start life, when you start day, you start from this place, from your Sabbath, from being with me. So King Asa, he brings in these reforms and he, and he commands. The difference with King Asa is... King Asa actually commanded that the people would do this. And I don't know about you, but you can't command someone's heart. You can't command them to pursue the peace of God. You can't command them that they must rest in God. But King Asa did what he thought was, was a good thing and started putting in place a, a, a religious reform that would help the people turn back to God. And for a moment it did. And out of this, and after Asa, King Asa passes on, the next king that comes into place is King Jehoshaphat. And King Jehoshaphat comes in out of this place of rest from his father. 
that his father's cultivated and, and stirred up among his heart, that he's, he's entering into his reign from a place of knowing what rest and peace is like. And do you know the very first thing that Jehoshaphat does? He fortifies the cities. Now, if you think about this, he's coming out of a place of rest, of knowing what it is to pursue God, and coming into a place of rest which brings peace about you. And the very first thing he does is he fortifies. He strengthens. He builds up the army. He strengthens the garrisons. And then... And then he sends out teachers and officials and priests and Levites Levites, to go into all these places and to teach them the law of God. And I want to say this as we start in a place of rest. Jehoshaphat started in a place of relative rest. But he used that place to prepare for the battle that would be coming ahead. He strengthened. He was not rest to do nothing. It was rest so that he had a time and a place to be able to start preparing for the next things of God. See, when we enter the rest of God, it is not so that we can do nothing. It's not so that we can have a good sleep. We enter the rest of God so that we may now have the strength, that we may now have the preparedness, to be able to now start building up what God is going to do in the future. So if you're in a place of peace and rest now, it is because God is saying, enter into this rest, whether it's in a a million strong army coming against you or not, enter into the rest and I will build you up for there is going to be another time when you will need to draw on that strength. We come into a place of rest so we may prepare for what is ahead. King Jehoshaphat not only just built up the garrisons, not only encouraged the men, not only brought in a a structure and a a religious reform that was going through the land to reteach and to reapply what the law of God had said. He also was a man that not just was doing this, was doing it himself. And it says that, that King Jehoshaphat pursued the Lord with his whole heart like King David. And whenever you're referring to that, and if you know, you know about King David, he is, he is described as a man after God's own heart. And Je- King Jehoshaphat is one of these guys who's pursuing God, not just because it makes him wealthy or gives him peace, or uh, satisfy something in him for his own benefit. He does it because actually it is good that God is pursued. And out of this place, we hear about the next battle that comes along to Judah. And King Jehoshaphat hears of of this uh, rumor of the uh, Ammon's and Moab, Moab are coming and coming up out of the land of Egypt to invade and to to unsettle Judah. Now, when you're reading this beforehand, you've heard that King Jehoshaphat has used this time well to prepare to strengthen the garrisons, 
to get ready for this. And you're thinking, like, this man's going to be prepared. He knows what's coming. He's, he's going to be ready for it. And so surely he'll just call out a muster and say, let's go. Come on, we've, we've, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what we felt that we were being prepared for. Let's go into battle. No, it's not true. He doesn't do that at all. The very first thing he does is he bows his head to the ground and he cries out. He cries out to God. And this story is one where the very first thing that they do is they come before God and say, God, we have had a place of rest and now we're coming out of this and we've prepared well, but still that comes, what comes against us cannot be done in our own strength. We, we, we need you. We need you to come through. And there's a great story that unfolds in this is how... Um, God brings to them, saying that when you go out, I will be with you. Once again, they've pursued him, and God is saying he's going to be with him. But the key point that is, I, want to, I want to just draw on in this instance of, of Jehoshaphat coming before God quickly and not relying on his own strength is a key point for us to understand once again rest. To be able to enter into rest, we need to understand the sovereignty of God. See, King Jehoshaphat understood the sovereignty of God. That it was not by his might of power, it was not by his building up of garrisons that was going to win this day. It was by him relying on the sovereign will of God, the sovereignty of God, that God is in control of all things, that the battle would be won. And this is a critical point for us to understand about rest. Rest and sovereignty go hand in hand. If we do not have a belief and an understanding of the sovereignty of God, we'll never reach the rest of God. And this is a whole point of the creation story. And in fact, when you start drawing out the whole uh, history of the Israelites, it starts becoming unfolding that God shows them time and time and time and time again His sovereignty so that they would be able to enter His rest. And if you look at how much God declared His sovereign power over the Israelites, and yet they still could not enter into His rest because they didn't understand the sovereign power of God. Why? See, King Jehoshaphat, not only did he... Um, not only did he put men going out uh, to bring in a religious reform, he himself, afterwards, he, he did a bit of a stuff up halfway through. There's another story where he starts off well, he stuffs up, and he comes back. After he stuffs up, he comes back, and it says that actually he was told, uh, he went out and helped a, one of the kings of, probably one of the worst kings of Israel. Um, and he, as he's coming back from this, he gets his uh, prophet comes to him. And the prophet says to uh, Jehoshaphat, 
says, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Because of this, wrath has gone out against you from the Lord. Nevertheless, some good is found in you, for you destroyed the Asherahs out of the land and have set your heart to seek God. So here he's, he's stuffed up, he's done something wrong, and this, this prophet comes and says, you shouldn't have done that, it's not a good thing, but yet you seek God with your own whole heart. And the very thing he does after this is, beforehand he had sent other people out to, t- to, to try to turn the people back to God. It says after this, the very next verses, he says this, Jehoshaphat lived at Jerusalem, and he went out among the people, and he appointed judges in the land and in the fortified cities. So after this encounter, beforehand he sent other people out to reform the hearts of the people. After this encounter of God's grace, of still allowing him to be part of the plans and kingdom of God, he himself goes, it's not good enough that I send others. I'm going to go out into the land myself and bring the heart of God into the people. And this is what comes out of it. Is the people are now not only just being told by a king, they're seeing the demonstration of it coming out. They're seeing the king come among the people. And this is out of this that this great battle is won. When the Moabites and the Ammonites come against the Israelites, they don't even fight the battle. They don't even fight it. It just says that the Lord delivered them into their hands. can't find the exact verse that is here. Oh, here it is. I got it now. It says this. It says, Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And so the reason why the sovereignty of God is so important is because if we don't realize that we are freed by the sovereign power of God, then we stay in bondage. And when we're in bondage, there is no rest. And see, King Jehoshaphat had, had understood something of God's power to, even though he stuffed up, to release him from bondage, that he didn't get dragged down into King um, Ahab's world, but was able to then go on and say, no, I've, I've stuffed up, but actually I am freed from what has been in the past, and it's right for me now to go forward and bring even more of the sovereign power of God and the, and the turning of the hearts of the people back to God. The tragic story of Israel is that even when they were freed from Egypt, they were still in bondage. All the way through the history of the Israelites, even up to this point, they're still in bondage. And at the end of the story of King Jehoshaphat, once again it says, but the people did not pursue the Lord with their whole hearts, and they returned back to the Asherah poles and the high altars. You see, the sovereignty of God is the power to break the chains that bind us. And if we are not broken from the chains that bind us, we'll never enter the rest of God. We'll never enter into his rest. See, the story of King Jehoshaphat is a man that experienced breaking of bonds. He experienced stuffing up and God coming back and redeeming him and allowing him to continue on in his kingdom. And then a great power of the sovereign work of God comes over him And peace reigns after that.
I just... In trying to understand what rest is and, the, and understanding what sovereignty of God is, we can often find ourselves still as slaves to former life. We can still find ourselves being led by people and seeing people do well in God and yet ourselves not fully freed from the bondages. The tragic story of a lot of this stuff is that after King Jehoshaphat dies and goes to live with uh, and, and is buried with uh, the other kings, the very next king that comes along is more evil than any of the previous ones. You see, it's not just a leader that can bring you into a place of rest. You yourself must be set free from bondages so you can enter the rest of God. And you can't be freed from bondages unless you understand the sovereign power of God to be able to break those things. And as I stand before you now, I have this sense that what holds us back is It's things we don't believe God has the ability to break off us. We, we believe that actually, God, you can do so much, but there's more you cannot. You can heal maybe those people in Africa, or you maybe have to raise dead over in Asia, but here, perhaps, the power not so much. You maybe have to set people free from addiction elsewhere, but my addiction here, you perhaps do not have that power to set free. It is not good enough for us to live lives that are semi-free. It's not good enough for us to live lives under the, the covering of people that are going on and strong for God. It is good to be around, man, I've, I've, it's good to be around people that are, are godly, good people. And I've experienced it this weekend. It is good for me, but it's not enough. It, it, it in itself will not set me free from the bondages. Jehoshaphat was a good king. He pursued God with his whole heart, but it was not good enough to set the Israelites and the people of Judah free from their bondages. They were still slaves to other gods. They still pursued it even after a good king compelled them otherwise. Even after they saw the sovereignty of God at work, they were still in bondage to what was in their past. I feel there's a moment here for us right now before God to be honest before God. To be honest to say, God, I don't I don't trust in your sovereignty as much as I should. I often feel restless. And yet I desire your rest. I want to just put out an invitation out there right now to, to you people. In fact, can, can we stand together? I, I, do you know what? I think there's a moment here God wants to do something with us. 
and, and, and we'll miss it if we don't stand. Just, I'd love for you to stand if you can. If you can't, that's fine. It's just, I want you to put your hands out just right now. So there's, there's a moment here right now. And I just felt God say to me, sovereignty and rest. Sovereignty and rest. If you do not understand the sovereignty of God, you cannot begin in the rest of God. God brought the Israelites out of Egypt by his sovereign power. And yet still, at every turn, they say, why have you brought us out? We would have been better back in slavery. I feel there are people here right now that says, do you know, sometimes I feel like I'd be better back where I was. That actually, the, what I'm going through now is, is too hard for me. It's, and there's no, there's no chance God's going to come through in this moment. I want you to put your hands out right now and lay upon your hands. I want to say, lift to God right now those things that you would say, God, I've not seen you work in this and I, I don't have the faith for you to work in it. I want you to offer these up to God in your own. So honestly, people, honestly, Father, there is these things that I, I want to pray over you right now as you hold this out. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. You are the God of humanity. You are the God of creation. In you all things have their place. In you everything is sustained. And we on our open palms right now, we lift to you these things that we do not have faith for or hope for that you would break in. And I pray by your sovereign work, by your sovereign power, would you come and work among us right now, Holy Spirit? I just, I just have see right now, there's, there's, there's people here with addiction that God wants to say, no longer do you need to be bound to this addiction, enter into my rest. Depression. There is someone here who has depression that comes in waves. God's saying, you do not know, you no longer need to be bound by depression. Enter into my rest. As people here are bound by the thoughts of not being good enough, not being accepted, God says, In my sovereignty, I break these bonds. Enter into my rest. Lord God, I just pray right now that we would experience your sovereignty. We would not just hear about it, but we would experience a sovereign God over us, breaking the bonds that have held us back so that we may enter into the rest of God. Show us the sovereign power, Lord Jesus, so that we may freely enter into the rest. And this is, the hope is this, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the hope is this, that The greatest bondage ever has been broken by Jesus Christ on the cross. That you have been set free so that you may enter into his rest and in true freedom live with him forever.
Lord Jesus, as we finish here now, as we go from here, I pray that we would stay in a place of knowing the full power of your sovereign might. Not just in our lives, but as we chat to one another, as we read your word, so that we may know that you are breaking bondages around us so that we may enter into your rest. And out of a place of rest, we may now prepare for the next battle that shall be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Add one more thing. Just, just stay in God's presence a second. I just think there's a gift that God wants to give us this morning of faith. just want to thank Ashley for what he brought. The thing about the sovereignty of God is believing that God is in control. If I don't believe that God is sovereign, he's in control, I'm going to try and fix it. I'm going to try and sort it. I'm going to try to use my effort or my money or some other thing. And so, Father, I just want to pray for us individually. I want to pray for myself. I want to pray for us, Lord. I just want to thank you for this word this morning. I want to ask for gifts of faith to come here in this room, that we would be people who believe God, that that rest, even in the midst of turmoil, even in the midst of challenges and and concerns, how can you be so peaceful? How can you be at rest? Because I believe God is in control. Because I will trust him as they sought the Lord, as they sought his face. He gave them rest. Father, thank you for this word this morning. Just reminded of that man in scripture said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And Lord, I just pray this morning that you would help us in our unbelief. Lord, we want to come to you this morning and say, we believe. We believe you are sovereign. We believe that you created us and made us. We believe that you have our best interests. We believe that. We choose, and we choose to surrender to that and turn our lives to that, that we might enter your rest. Lord, I I just pray for faith, faith to rise up among us to believe you, that you are in control, that you do have the answer. Lord, where we're trying to fix it, whatever it might be, where we're trying to fix it with more effort, more energy, more money, whatever it might be, we, even right now, with these hands that have been outstretched, we lay our efforts down and we surrender to you. We surrender to you. That we, and that's, we enter your rest because we say, no, God's in control. I don't know how he's going to fix it. I can't fix it. He will fix it. Lord, thank you. I just want to thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for Ashley's openness and honesty. And just thank you for speaking through him. Bless your church in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Ashley, so much. Can we just thank Ashley for his word?